We want to be a church that wants to do all possible to spread the good news about Jesus Christ and to be a people of faith. Let's study the word with Pastor Terry as he brings us this message. The Lord did not give us a small commission. He gave us a great commission. He gave us the responsibility and the privilege to go into all the world and tell people the good news about Jesus Christ. As we have been looking at Sawgrass Community Church and what God is molding us and creating us to be, we said first and foremost we want to be a people of faith. We want to be risk takers. We want to be people who are full of faith. We want to be people who know that there's a God who loves us and we want to step out and do big things for God. Things that we couldn't possibly do without Him. We want to walk by faith and not by sight. We said last week we wanted to be spiritual contributors, not just spiritual consumers. We live in a day and time where consumption is everywhere around us, even in the church. Well, we don't want to be a church like that. We don't just want to consume, consume, consume. God has given each and every one of us gifts. Gifts are to be used for His kingdom. Gifts are to be used for His glory. And we're to use those gifts to make a difference in the world, the neighborhoods in which we live. We no longer want to be spiritual consumers. We want to be contributors. We want to make a difference. Today I want to talk to you about this. We want to do, and we want to be a church that is willing to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to tell people about Jesus. We want to be a church that as long as it's legal, as long as it's not sinful, we will do whatever it takes to tell the good news about Jesus Christ. You have a purpose. I have a purpose. We have a purpose. Sawgrass Community Church has a purpose. One of our purposes is to tell everybody about Jesus, that good news. Jesus came to tell others about his Father. It's pretty awesome, actually, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There's an event recorded there. It's one of those historical events that that most of you know about. It's recorded in all three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it's, it's where Jesus tells them that, well, I've come to help those who can't help themselves. I've come to help those who need a doctor. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 5, 27 through 32. There Jesus tells us clearly why he came and what our responsibility is to do as well. Matthew 5, 27 through 32. Here's what he says. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi. Now this Levi, of course, is the same guy that will eventually be called Matthew, who will eventually write the Gospel of Matthew. So later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector. Circle that word. We're going to come back to that in just a minute, because that's a very, very important part of the story. A tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, here's two important words, left everything. Wow, left everything. Now we're going to discover in just a minute, that's a lot. He left a lot. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home, with Jesus as the guest of honor, and many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. 
But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complain bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? That's a pretty strong word, scum. Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Lord, I just ask, Father, at the reading of your word, that you would speak through it, Lord, clearly, distinctly. It would cut through us, Lord, rebuke us, change us and correct us, and teach us and train us in righteousness. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's who? It's who? The sick who need a doctor. It's not those who think they are righteous. It's those who know, wow, I need a Savior. I am a mess. I have issues. You have issues. All God's people have issues. We need a Savior. Notice right there in verse 27. It says this, Jesus saw him. He saw Levi. Well, Levi certainly knew who Jesus was. And Jesus certainly knew who Levi was. They have probably had some kind of interaction in days gone by. But on this particular day, at this particular time, Jesus comes by Levi's tax collector's booth and says to him, follow him, follow me, I want you to be my disciple. Now those words go by really quickly as we read them, but the words, Jesus saw him, are important words. It means he gazed at him. He saw him deliberately. He saw beyond just the outward. He saw the inward. He saw real possibilities. He saw what well, real potential. If I can just get this guy a little closer to me, if I can just get him to change his ways just a little bit, real possibilities. When Jesus says, follow me, I want you to be a disciple, it's not just to learn from me, Jesus is calling him to a relationship. Jesus is calling him to a lifestyle change. A disciple back in Jesus' day would learn, would, would follow their rabbi, would follow their teacher, and learn that particular lifestyle. They became dedicated to that particular rabbi. So Jesus is saying, we're going to change your whole life. Follow me. Because he saw past. When we see people so many times, we see What's on the outside? We make, we make uh, judgments, we make decisions based on what we see. But Jesus saw past that. He saw the heart. He saw the possibilities. Aren't you glad you have possibilities? He saw the potential. Aren't you glad that Jesus saw your potential? And he said, Levi, leave everything. And the word tells us that he left it all to follow Jesus. Now here's a really important point. This is important for us to know. Back in those days, a, a rabbi, Jesus was considered a rabbi, a teacher, would never ask somebody to follow them. It was the other way around. The student would come to the rabbi and said, I want to follow you. I have been studying you. I have been, I, I've been a student of yours for a long time. I want the privilege. I want the honor of following you. N never, ever happened where a rabbi would come and say, follow me. That was unheard of. And it was a high honor for students to come to that rabbi. And it was a difficult thing to do. They had to prove themselves because the rabbi's reputation 
depended upon his students. Well, who is Jesus calling to follow him? The best of the best? The cream of the limb? No. Average guys. Tax collectors, if you can believe that. That's the worst of the worst. Most despicable people in all of Israel are tax collectors. You know, tax collectors, actually, what happened is, in Palestine, Rome divided Palestine up into geographical locations. And then they assigned a tax that was due. Then they set out, and the highest bidder then could be responsibility for collecting that tax. But they could collect whatever amount of taxes they wanted to as long as Rome got its share. Do you see a problem with that? Here's how much we want. How much you take is up to you. We just want our portion. Wow. There's a lot of abuse right there, right? And that's why tax collectors were normally very, very wealthy. Because they would extort and they would charge exorbitant amounts of money. And even if you couldn't pay the tax, they would loan you the money to pay the tax at a high interest. And now in this case, the reason why that Luke is telling us his name is Levi is because he's a Hebrew. He's a Jewish fellow. He comes from a long line of Jewish people. He is betraying. He is a traitor to his people. The Jewish people, they despised tax collectors. They hated the Romans. And the only ones, because of the taxes and because of the oppression, and the only ones that they hated more than the Romans were the tax collectors from their own people. You can see why that would be. And so now Jesus is coming Again, not to the best, but to a tax collector named Levi, who is very wealthy and says, follow me. Unheard of. Scandalous. But wow, what does that tell you about you and me? Here's a key I want you to remember. Acceptance is often, listen carefully, acceptance is often the starting point for transformation. Acceptance is often the starting point for transformation. You see, when Jesus sees Levi, when Jesus sees you, when Jesus sees me, he accepts us just the way we are. Because he knows by accepting us just the way we are, that's the first step in transformation. How do we see other people? How do we see other people? You see, we need to see past the outside to the possibility, to the potential. We need to look past that and see what God has for us there, for us. But God is calling us into relationship. Here's what Jesus did that we struggle with. You see, Jesus invested in people's lives. He invested in people's lives. He saw the potential, he saw the possibilities, and he invested in that potential. One of the things that we need to do as we tell people about Jesus is invest. One preacher has called it like this. They said the church today is good at drive-by witnessing. Drive-by witnessing. You know what that is? You drive by, you write on your window, you say, Jesus loves you, and you drive on by. People don't really care about that, do they? You know the most effective way for us to tell our brothers and sisters or friends about Jesus is to get down with them, to invest in their lives, and then when the Holy Spirit opens and makes opportunity, then we invite them 
to follow Jesus. We invite them into relationship with Jesus Christ. But the first step for us is to, well, is to bear some burdens, is it not? It's to sit with the person who's lost a loved one. It's to be there in the hospital. It's to hang on to the hand. It's to be supportive when no one else is. It's to be that light and that salt. And sometimes you can't say a word. I remember most of you who go here regularly know that um, many years ago, before I, I have three sons, before that, my wife and I were told we would never have children. And we went through an adoption process. We, we, we lost the baby in that whole process. And it was a very, very, it was a very difficult time. But the point I want to make is a friend of ours came over just as we received the news that we had to take our little girl back. And all he did was open the door and cry and hug us. But it was so wonderful. It was so wonderful. Because he just wanted to let us know. He just wanted to invest in our lives. We need to be investing in people's lives. Hey, you know it's true. Uh, this just last week, our refrigerator is broken at our house. And uh, so now we get a cooler and full, full of ice and we have all our groceries in the cooler because the refrigerator is not working. It's going to take a week or so to get it fixed. And so the uh, repair lady came out from Service America and knocked on our door. And we had called three or four days, and she was taking quite a bit of time to get there. And when she got there about 6.30 in the evening last Thursday, or last Thursday, I could tell instantly she was not having a good day. She was just a little bit cranky and just kind of barged into the house. I said, hello. How are you today? And she was just all upset. And so she got her tools out and started looking around. And I just kept talking to her and talking to her, communicating, communicating with her. And you know what? As the minutes went by, they got further and further by, she began to open up. She began, all of a sudden, her whole demeanor changed. And by then, my wife had come home. We're both talking with her now. Within a half an hour later, she says, I apologize. She goes, really, I'm not this way, but life is just, it's just so tough. I can tell. In fact, she said, how long have you guys been married? I told her, well, 39 years. 39 years. You're such a wonderful couple. You've been so nice to me, and everything just changed. Now, it isn't anything that we did. My point is this. The world's a tough place. People go through a day, and no one says anything nice to them at all. All it takes is a little bit of investment. We didn't do anything that big. Just a little bit of investment. Just a few kind words. Just a few nice gestures. And wow, someone's life can be changed. Someone's life can be transformed if we're willing to just invest a little bit of time. A little bit of time to make a difference. You see, that's what Jesus did. He invested. He said, Levi, let me invest in you. You come and you follow me. So he was willing to... Uh, you know, also, did you notice this? This is kind of cool, too, about Jesus. He was willing to break some rules. Sometimes, if we are going to tell people about Jesus, we have to be willing to break some rules. Remember, Jesus, well, he healed people on the Sabbath. He actually, imagine this, talked to a woman at a well... Can you believe that? Scandalous. 
And here, he's actually inviting a tax collector to follow him. Unheard of. Unbelievable. You see, Jesus was breaking some cultural rules. And the people who set those rules, they didn't like it at all. In fact, we see it in the last part of this passage, don't we? Because Levi does something scandalous of his own. Jesus begins, get this, Jesus begins and says, Hey, come and follow me. Levi drops everything, leaves everything, and follows him. And then Levi does something no one else can believe. Levi does what a good disciple should do. He invites Jesus and all his friends over to his house. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Because who are Levi's friends? Yeah, more tax collectors and more sinners and more people who the good people don't want to be around. You know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, parents, you know what I'm talking about. Kids, we've got to stay away from those other kids. You know, we've got to have good people around us. Well, uh, Jesus is... Well, the, the worst in Israel are now hanging out with Jesus, and he's becoming their friend. Guess what? They kind of like him. They kind of like him. See, Jesus is breaking some rules, some cultural norms, and the good people, because you know that's what the Pharisees are, you know. We say that we're Pharisees in the church, and we got some kind of idea. Well, all the Pharisees are, are good people. Good people with high morals and high ethics, and they go to church, and they, they pay their taxes, and they go to their work. And that's all Pharisees are, good people. Good, self-righteous people, but they're good people. And so they're the ones that are having the problem, because wait, we just don't do that. We just don't do that kind of thing here. We don't talk to those kind of people. You see, the Pharisees were upset. They weren't upset because they weren't invited to the party. They wouldn't have gone anyways. They weren't upset about that. What they were upset about, listen carefully, is that Jesus didn't call the people to repentance first of all. That's big. You see, what they wanted Jesus to do was walk in there and say, You guys are all losers. You need to repent of your sin. Do you think that Jesus knew they needed to repent of their sin? Yeah. But Jesus accepts them as they are. Acceptance is oftentimes the first step to transformation. Jesus accepts them. And that blew the self-righteous people away. They couldn't understand that. How can that be? We need to call them to be more like us. And Jesus said, no, no, no. They know that they're sinners. They know that they're sick. Notice this. Jesus never excuses their sin. He never excuses their sickness. He just doesn't let it get in the way of relationship. And we do. And we do. And that's why the church in the U.S. is struggling. And that's why the church in the U.S. is ineffective. Because we want all those out there to be like us. And Jesus had a different strategy. And it cost them his life. And that was, hey, I'm going to accept them just as they are. I'll say this again so nobody misunderstands. I don't get a phone call this week. Jesus 
Jesus did not excuse their sin or their sickness. What did he do? He spoke the truth in love. Don't you think that everybody at that party knew they were a sinner? Don't you think they knew that they were sick? Don't you think that they knew that they that their life was a mess? Why did Levi leave everything? I mean, he had everything as far as the world's concerned, except contentment, peace, happiness, purpose, meaning. He knew. He knew. Wow. Imagine if we could learn to be people who would accept one another just as we are. Just as we are. Wow. I think that would make a huge difference in our churches and in our lives. What if we recognize that Jesus came for the sick, not the healthy? What if we recognize that we're not going to be judgmental anymore? What if we recognize that, man, all of us have issues. I have issues. You have issues. I'm broken. I need a Savior. What if we recognize that? What if we stop trying to impress people so much? What if we just accept each other as we are? Hey, I've got a lot of junk in my life. I wish it wasn't there, but it is. Have any doubt? Right here. Have any fear? Hey, I'll raise my hand. Trust the Lord? Not all the time. I wish I did. I wish I did. See, I think God honors that. And I think people around there in the world who need to hear about Jesus, I think that's what they're waiting for. I think they're waiting for someone to say, I haven't got it all together, you haven't got it all together, but you know what? We know one who does, and he accepts us just as we are. Oh, he doesn't want us to stay that way. He has a plan and a purpose. But right now, he's coming to your house to have a party. And guess what? He's perfectly comfortable there. And even in all my sin, somehow I'm attracted to him. You know, when people... Listen carefully. When people who know that they're sinners, who know they're a long way from God, come into contact with God, you know what they want? More of God. What they want is more of God. You see, the problem that so many of us have is, and this is kind of hard, is, and it's a problem the Pharisees had, we don't think we need God. We think we have it pretty much all together. In my house, that's almost paid for with my two cars and my good job, my 401k plan, and my, my three or four weeks vacation, and my, a wife that's still with me, and kids are doing pretty good. Really, what do I need to talk to God about? That's why Jesus said it's more difficult for a man or woman of means, a rich man, to get into heaven. Why is that? Because they don't see their need. Everyone at that party saw their need. Everyone at that party recognized that, wow, I need a Savior. You see, we do that by investing in people's lives and being there when life is tough. It may take six months, it may take a year, but if we do that and if we're in prayer, you know what will happen at some point in time? God will open up a door and you can say, hey, come follow me and, and meet this guy named Jesus.
you can invite them into a relationship. Because what will, now they know that you're just not there trying to convert them. You really care about them. What's that old saying, you know, people don't know, people don't want to know what you know until they know how much you care. People want to know that you care about them. Not that you're just trying to change their life. You see, wow, can you imagine us, Sawgrass Community Church, if we decided to become a church that lived this way in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our workplaces, at the grocery store? If we said little words here, little words there, nice things here, affirming things there, invested in people's lives, when the time comes and you've earned the opportunity, right? No drive-by witnessing. Hey, God loves you. See you later. Hey, smile. God's with you. But I'll talk to you, you know, because sometimes we just, we kind of do our own church thing. We have our own church rules, you know. We have our own church rules. We kind of do our own church thing. And people are attracted to that. I'll tell you a story. A friend of mine is a is a pastor in a Lutheran church. Been a pastor there for 32 years. And he recently, the church had a, a difficult time, and he and the leadership didn't see eye to eye. And so a number of years ago, he was asked to leave the church. Kind of a difficult thing. He t- was telling me today, it's been very hard, he was telling me today that a uh, long-time member of that church uh, had, had passed away. But before he passed away, he spoke to my friend, and he said, the one thing I want to do is I want you, Pastor, to do my funeral, and I want you to do it back at our church, back at that church. Well, my friend hadn't been back at the church in a long time, and so he was kind of nervous, and so he actually asked permission from the church, that the, the leadership there, can I come and do the funeral for so-and-so? Because they knew it used to be a long-term member. Can I come and do the funeral for so-and-so, and I'll officiate? The church told him no. You, Pastor, are not welcome here anymore. No, I know I know my pastor friend. He is a man of God. What I'm telling you is, are we surprised that nobody wants to be involved in the church? Are we surprised that a family who used to go to that church has now been told by that same church that the patriarch of their family can't be buried there because the pastor is not welcome? Is it any surprise, honestly, is it any surprise that we're struggling as churches? Because we're not investing in people's lives. Let's be careful what we put on Facebook. Let's be careful what we say on social media. Let's be careful how we portray ourselves. Let's portray portray ourselves as Jesus has taught us. Let's love them no matter what. And let's let the Lord open the doors. Wow, so think about this. We can become a church of faith, knowing that, wow, God has good things in store for us. We can become a church of spiritual contributors, not just consumers. And we want to become a church that will do whatever it takes to tell people about Jesus. We'll even break some rules. 
We'll even break some rules. We'll get dirty and messy. We'll even invest in some lives so that people can come to know about Jesus Christ. Is that church you want to be a part of? Is that church that can make a difference in the world? Yeah. Because of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, so much for this evening. Thank you, God, for the truth of your word. Father, we fall before you and tell you we fall woefully short, Lord. We fall woefully short, Father. We are not loving as we should be. We're not compassionate as we should be, Lord. And we hear the stories, Father, and we think how terrible, but, but we do the same thing, God. I ask you to forgive us. Forgive us, Father. Lord, we want to become more like you. But we need you, Father. We need you desperately. We need you, Lord, to root out that selfishness in our heart. We want to invest in other people, Lord. We want to bear some burdens of our our neighbors and our friends at work and our family. We want to break some rules, Lord, whatever it takes to tell people about Jesus. To tell people, Lord, this good news, that your love never fails, that your love will never give up. Your love is everlasting, everlasting. So help us, Father. Thank you.